Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman and his friend Batman continue their efforts again to pick up the trail of Butcher Stark and his accomplice, the Scarlet Widow... The two vicious enemies of society prepare to strike again. You understand what you ought to do, Butcher. You know the timing of the operation. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's a cinch, Widow. Not quite, but if you follow my plans to the letter, you shouldn't have too much difficulty. <laughs> and nobody will be the wiser. They'll never find out what happened. That's the beauty of my plan. Say, <laughs> you and me... We work pretty good together, don't we? With your power and my brains, Butcher, we shall go far. Now go get some sleep. We go to work in two hours. Say, gang, did you know that we're all peculiar? Now, that may sound like a pretty strange thing to say, but if you think about it for a moment, you'll see my point. For instance, imagine looking around you and seeing everyone exactly the same. Same features, same clothes, same height. If you said something to one of them, he'd make the same reply that any of them would make. Each one of them would be doing the same thing. If that were so, my hunch says you'd be bored pretty quickly, because, after all, variety is the spice of life. There wouldn't be much point in talking to people if each one answered the same thing every time. If you knew what people thought and liked and could count on what their reply would be whenever you asked a question... For example, you may like baseball. Your pal may prefer swimming. And that doesn't mean that one or the other of you is wrong, does it? But the funny thing is that a lot of people don't seem to realize others can be different. They think that for someone to be normal, he must like the same things they like. Why, in one school I know of, the boys on the football team would hardly even speak to those who got good marks but weren't particularly interested in athletics. And the boys on the school newspaper ignored the ones on the wrestling team. As a result, the whole school was split up into a lot of little groups, each one disliking the others. Now, if these boys had realized that it takes all sorts of people to make up the world, that not everyone is interested in exactly the same things... Each one would have had many more friends and consequently more fun. Yes, everyone is different in some way, thank heaven. It's up to you to recognize the advantages in those differences and learn to get along with all sorts of people. And now, the adventures of Superman. Allied with the diabolically clever Scarlet Widow, one of Superman's most dangerous enemies, Butcher Stark, the escaped convict and ruthless killer, has begun a deadly campaign of crime, using the sonic power of his voice to establish their mastery over all underworld forces of the nation. However, Superman, having discovered how to fight Stark's power, has stayed on the trail of the convict, a trail that has led him to Chicago, where we find him now with his friend Batman. In their guises as Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, they sit now in a parked car near the outskirts of the city. Examining a sheet of tracing paper. Their only clue to Stark's whereabouts. It's going to be tough, Bruce. Just this paper marked with numbers and letters to go on. Yeah, I know, Clark. 
But we know the line running down the middle of the paper must be a court, because Stark's pilot held a tracing paper over this map, mm -hmm. and using the airport as a starting point, worked out a course to an unknown destination. Yeah, that's logical. All right, now let's figure out what these numbers and letters... No, wait, no, wait. We'll work it out step by step. Stark's pilot traced his course to a certain destination. Uh -huh. Now, in order to reach that destination, what factors does he have to take into consideration? Well, you're a pilot, Bruce. You tell me. Well, assuming the weather was clear, all he'd have to worry about would be airspeed, wind direction, and wind velocity. Check. Go on. All right, take airspeed first. These numbers here could be his estimated speed. 120? It's a little low. It should be about 135. Well, we'll see. Let's go on to the next step. Wind velocity and direction. Yeah, it might be this set of figures, 16NE, northeast. All right. Now then, you said 120 was low for that type plane, which should cruise at 135. Yes. Okay. Knock off 16 miles for headwind, and you're down to 120, ground speed. I get it. All right, now what about this set of figures here, and these letters WVAR20N? Well, there's another factor pilot take into consideration when plotting course. Changes in wind velocity and direction. Oh, I've got it. W for wind, VAR variation, 20 miles north. On the nose, pal. Which leaves this last set of figures, 2332. Two. Well, they're marked at the end of the course, aren't they? Yes. Mm, wouldn't be distance. Stark would be way off this sectional map. Ha! <laughs> what a hot pilot you are. He has to plan his time of arrival, doesn't he? Hey, that's right. 2,300 hours and 32 minutes. Sure. Now, knowing... Knowing his speed and the wind direction and velocity, can we plot his course? Oh, we can't. But we can take the dope to the meteorology station at Central Airport and find out where these wind conditions exist. That way, we should come pretty close to his destination. Fair enough. Let's get rolling. It's 8.30 now. We only have three hours to go. Do you uh, think you can give us the information, Mr. Blaine? Yes, I think I can help you, gentlemen. Step over this way. We'll examine the master weather chart for this area. Yes, we're in, Bruce. Keep your fingers crossed, Clark. Here we are. Now, let's see. We have a low-pressure area over Chicago now with a high-pressure area below and to the west. I think we'll find what you want over in this direction. Uh-huh. How did you figure that, Bruce? Well, the highs tend to spill into lows. Oh. It's one of Mother Nature's tricks to equalize pressure all over the country. Yes, here we are. The wind currents in this region are mostly north and northeast, going right up into the low. That's the direction we want, Mr. Blaine. Is there any specified airflow indicated with a velocity 16 miles northeast or 20 north? Uh, yeah. yeah, here we are. See this line? It indicates a continuous airflow to the northeast at a rate of exactly 16 miles per hour. Well, that's a pretty long stretch. Along here, there's a tendency toward variation. Change in the wind because of topography and local weather disturbances. It shifts to 20 miles north. That's it. That's what we're looking for. Yes. Exactly where is that, Mr. Blaine? Right in here on the map. Stretch of about 100 miles. Uh, pretty desolate country, isn't it? Mostly mountain area. Very few towns and villages. Okay, uh -huh. Mr. Blaine. Thanks very much. You're quite welcome. Let's go, Clark. Let's get back to our car and plot the course on the map. Right. Come on. Well, that's that. Now, how much time have we? Well, it's quarter past ten. We have an hour and fifteen minutes to get there. You'll make it with over an hour to spare. There are no airfields down there. wonder where they plan to sit down. That's what we've got to find out, so off with these clothes. And we'll let Superman take over. There we are. All right. You all set? Check. Okay, then. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Meanwhile, far to the southwest, a cabin monoplane drills through the night sky, roaring toward a deadly rendezvous. As in the cabin, aft, Butcher Stark and the Scarlet Widow make strange preparations. You're sure the harness is tight enough, Butcher? Yeah. But what about that rope? It ain't gonna break, is it? Of course not. And if it does, you have your parachute. Yeah. But listen, 
Why do I have to jump after the job is over? Why can't I stick with you? There are two very good reasons. First of all, I'm not strong enough to pull you back into the plane. And second, I want you on the ground with the others to make sure they do as they're told. Ah, I don't see why we had to drag them into the deal. Don't be stupid. Do you think you can transfer that cargo by yourself? Uh, no, but we'll have to split with them, won't we? With when their usefulness comes to an end, Butcher, then you may exercise the power of your voice again. Oh, oh, yeah. And we need not worry about splitting with them. <laughs> hey, I never thought about that angle. That is precisely why I am necessary to you. Okay. When do we go to work? Our rendezvous is timed for 32 minutes past 11. At 35 minutes past 11, we should be finished. Then our leadership will be unquestioned. The Scarlet Widow seems confident, arrogantly confident, as she and Butcher Stark prepare for their coming operation. What do they plan to do? In just a moment, gang, we'll bring you the amazing climax of today's episode. So keep listening. Are you superstitious, gang? Did you ever catch yourself saying things such as, Hey, watch out, you'll walk under a ladder and gosh, what'll happen to you? Or, uh-oh, you broke a mirror and that's seven years bad luck. Or, if you make a circle of a horse hair and put a spider in the center, the spider can't possibly escape. Now, we know that's silly, yet lots of people believe it. Well, a long time ago, an organization was formed in England called the Royal Geographic Society, whose purpose was to find out scientific facts. And the learned members of the society spent some of their time exposing popular superstition. Very carefully, they made a ring of the horsehair in the middle of the large table in their meeting room, and then they placed the spider in the center. Then all the scholarly men with their white beards peered curiously at the little spider through their spectacles, and they murmured their approval as the spider crossed the horsehair as if it never existed. Well, this event, gang, was very carefully and seriously recorded in their minutes because, though it may sound rather silly, it was actually very important. The reason for its importance was that up to that time, people rarely experimented. Instead, they believed statements just because men who seemed to know told them so. For instance, if an important man said the world was flat, people believed him simply because he was important. It took Christopher Columbus to make an experiment that tested and disproved that statement. This habit of accepting without testing or experimenting can be very dangerous and can many times make you appear ridiculous. So be smart. When anyone tries to make you believe something that sounds questionable, demand proof positive. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. The time now is 11.30, two minutes before Butcher Stark's mysterious rendezvous. And we find Superman standing with his friend Batman on a high plateau, peering through the darkness into the valley below, searching for Stark. Not a sign of them, Superman. They aren't anywhere in this valley. Oh, hang it all, Batman. We've covered at least a hundred square miles inch by inch. They must be somewhere near here. If our figuring was right. Oh, now, don't tell me we made a mistake. Oh, I don't see how, but... What time is it? 11.31. That's uh, one minute to go. We may be miles from the right spot. Wait a minute. Huh? Quiet. You hear something? Yes. A plane. Oh, yeah, I hear it now. Sounds like a heavy job, though. Uh-huh. There it is. See the wing lights? Not too well. It's big. More engines. Oh, yeah. Transport. Well, that's not start ship. No, but... Batman! What now? There's another plane up there. About 300 feet over the transport. You think it's start? Maybe. Anyway, it's worth investigating. I think I... Batman! 
Batman, it is dark. Well, how do you know? The sonic power in his voice carries. We've found him, Batman. We've found him. Superman, look. What's up? The transport. Look at it. It's falling apart. Great Scott. It's in a spin. It's going to crash. Do something, Superman. For heaven's sake, do something now. Like the wailing moan of a banshee, the whine of the helpless falling transport fills the sky. And the man of steel pauses uncertainly. This is his one chance to get Butcher Stark. To hesitate too long will mean to lose him again, perhaps forever. But does he dare make contact with Stark's terrible sonic power? Suddenly, he reaches a decision. Up, up, and away! Whatever you do, gang, don't fail to hear the next action-packed episode in which Superman goes into action against Butcher Stark. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 15 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you'll hear Tom Mix and his straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.